Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Rob Turley, your host of Down Rabbit Hole Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by White Rabbit Intel, where we can help you predictably know who to target in your market and identify the people who will buy before you speak to them inside and outside the funnel. So today I've got a very special guest. His name is Colby Flood. He's an awesome guy. So he's a self-taught marketer, which, oh yeah, I roll, right? No, he's a self-taught marketer who really knows what he's doing. And since he was self-taught, what he's doing is bringing an educational approach and providing educational materials so that people can properly educate themselves in marketing without having to go to college for it, which is total bonus, total win. A lot of the marketers that I know did not go to college. They just kind of landed in the position or they started doing marketing work, which is exciting stuff. And uh, they just kind of teach themselves along the way. So why not have the resources available for you to do it right? Now, Colby, please introduce yourself. Hey, thanks for having me on, Rob. Super excited to uh, share a little bit about what we do today. Sure, no problem. So, so uh, if you could start a little bit about how you actually got to where you got, uh, what was the process of the self-taught process? Because everybody's different who's who got there themselves. Yeah, for sure. Um, really kind of understanding what I wanted to do, which was uh, start with one specific service, um, paid social ads. I... Um, I started working with a nonprofit and kind of did everything. I don't know if you've worked in the nonprofit realm before, but when you work in nonprofit marketing, you wear every hat, right? So I um, learned email marketing, website design on many different platforms, uh, newsletter writing, organic social, paid social, everything. And in that time, really dialed in on the paid social part. And uh, after doing a couple of fundraisers with that nonprofit, moved on to freelancing and just continued to educate myself as much as I could. YouTube, uh, edx.org, Google, uh, paid courses from people like Cat Hal and um, Andrew Foxwell, just anything that I could find, really, that could help educate me to where I wanted to go. And uh, yeah, here I am now. Uh, happy to say that I have an agency that has uh, seven team members in total, and uh, we're we're growing pretty quickly, and things are going well. Yeah, that's awesome. And when you're going through that self-taught process, like when you're the VP of everything, pretty much, yeah. uh, especially in nonprofit. I've never had the pleasure of working for a nonprofit, but I've done a lot of work for the VA, uh, like the Veterans Association, uh, helping them with their marketing, uh, helping them with their design, uh, you know, event uh, poster creation, distribution, stuff like that, just as like a charity thing. Well, I appreciate that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've done that. So I understand how you need to know everything about it to make it happen because they do not have the resources. Yeah. Um, what type of experience did you have when you were learning all of it, like the full gamut um, while doing it? What's the difference between that and getting self-taught by, by sticking with a niche? It, it is a very different experience. Yeah. Um, sorting through what's most important, I would say, was, was kind of one of the number one things. Um, and, you know, one of the benefits of working in the nonprofit realm, too, was messaging and, and really learning how to connect with your audience is super important. I worked at a um, like a Christian based regeneration program for people battling drug addiction. And you had two facets, right? You had to speak to the people that you had to market well enough to help relay information to somebody to make them want to make a change with their life at 40, 50 years old to stop using drugs and alcohol. And also that is a difficult connection to make. Yeah. And also had to create messaging and opportunities to find people that could give 20, 40, a hundred thousand dollars in donations uh, as well. So really focusing on kind of building out the message messaging uh, opportunities and learning how to connect with customers was a great way there. But um 
yeah, just kind of parsing down what was most important to focus on and really understanding what was driving the most impact for that nonprofit. Yeah, when you get that global view, it gives you sight into how everything affects one another, like a, like a system, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was the same with uh, user experience, user interface design, also graphic design and uh, design for marketing, communications, and PR. Uh, doing everything when it comes to it, you understand how everything connects. And the lack of understanding around how things connect is it's almost like a crutch. It's an issue where a lot of marketers are really, really good at what they do uh, with that one area or spectrum of things, but without the understanding or at least having an understanding of the different moving parts, it's difficult to optimize. Yeah, certainly. And that's where, so we've, we've niched down with one specific service, mainly for a point of scalability, right? Like it's hard as a small business going from freelancing to build an agency to have 10 services, do them effectively, keep client communications. And, but that is definitely where uh, with our education focus for client communication, we're continuously connecting our clients with service providers that do email marketing or SMS marketing or website optimization, because we see those opportunities in their data. We see those opportunities in their marketing and, and want to continue to kind of help them uh, understand how, the click-through rate on your ad isn't the only thing that's affecting the ROA, right? It's your website or it's also uh, catching those people with email marketing as well. Click-through is great, but if it doesn't convert to a customer, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And with B2C, usually click-through means purchase because impulse buys are about 86% of the yeah. uh, purchases in the, in the business to consumer market. Uh, but when you're talking B2B, it's to get them to share a bit of information or to take action on something or to engage with a human being. That's mm-hmm. just the nature of it. So it's a lot more difficult. And that money does not go as far if it's not well put together. Um, yep. what, what have you done to drive click-through rate? And well, actually, to step back for a second, uh, when you're talking about you pass these different types of work to different companies, is that sure you have an education on the full gamut of the entire marketing process, but do you believe that it's a problem that a lot of marketing companies are the do-it-all firms and that's what really affects scalability? That's a tough question, right? I can speak, I can speak for myself that when I started Brighter Click, the one of the number one things I noticed was the lack of communication and the lack of connection between clients and agencies, and how that disconnect can really kind of build a distrust, but also fail in terms of performance. We focused on one specific service because we want to make sure that we can do things like zero inbox three times a day and, and making sure that we're keeping our clients' uh, projects on track. I have personally seen that it can be tough for uh, smaller agencies to have many, many services and still effectively provide high value at each of those services. That's my experience. There may be people that disagree with that, but um, that's just kind of what I've seen from it. What do you mean by high value services? High performance. I'll, I'll change it with that, right? So if I feel like if we were focusing on website design and um, SMS and email and paid ads, and we were trying to effectively build a company that's scalable with SOPs and processes and not just building it around high performing unicorns that we would have a, a hard time with our infancy in as an agency. Right. Um, 
And there may be people that, that have done it well, but that's just one thing that I've seen from some agencies that try to do many, many things at the very beginning of their, um, at their process. We work with an operations consultant. And one of the first things he says is focus on the one thing to start, uh, get really good at that, and then focus on kind of horizontally scaling out your services. Sure. And how do you think that affects, um, well, okay. So there's scalability, but how do you think that affects uh, overhead? A lot of agencies have difficulty with profitability. Hmm. Yeah, we've never, um, I'll be honest with you. We've, we've always focused on one service, so I can't say too much about how it affects the people that do many. Cause we, I just haven't looked into that too much. Um, what I can say is if you're, when you're building an agency, if you bottleneck yourself and you're doing everything yourself, right, you can't fully scale. If you're transferring that to just hiring the best top performers and not processing those services out and not making sure that you're creating the SOP so that it's repeatable, if they leave, then what do you do? Right. So, right. And, you know, buyer churn plagues the marketing industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now it's at, I believe, 18 months is the longest you will ever have a customer hmm. ever, ever. And then churn with smaller marketing agencies is six months, mm -hmm. six months with the larger ones, mid market ones, 12 months. Mm -hmm. And then with the, you know, the ones that really have it down 18 months, that is awful. It's abhorrent. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand how it's so difficult because marketing companies often bend over backwards for their client. What is the gap there? Why do you think the churn rate so high? I'll tell you what we find success with. <clears throat> From the first point we talk to a client to the onboarding phase to ongoing management, we really focus on leading with education. And we find that when you lead with education with your clients, it creates that level of understanding and trust with your clients that they know that you are working on things and that it's not always just one part of the business that is causing the negative effects, right? So let me give you an example. If we're taking on a client and they say that they want to do their creatives, they want to build out the creatives for their ads. In their onboarding phase, one of the things that we're definitely going to talk with them about is first-time impression ratio and how that can affect things, right? So if we know that they're going to be giving us creative every 30 days, every 45 days, we're going to let them know that, okay, we can start with X amount of creative, but as we're looking at your ads, if we start to notice that your first time impression ratio, which is the percentage of people who are seeing your ad for the first time starts to get in the 50 to 70% range, we know we need to start looking at new audience or new creative or both, right? And when it gets below 50, we're gonna start seeing negative performance. Now, how can we validate that? We can see that your frequency is going to rise your CTR is going to start to decline and your CPC and CPM are going to start to rise. And what does that do? Yep. That creates a wall on the ad level and you can only do one of two things. You can lower that wall by refreshing and decreasing your cost, or you can just pay more to get people over the wall. That's the type of communication we provide that really helps clients to understand when we come to them day 60 and we're saying, hey, we're seeing high ad level costs. I think we need to increase the amount of creative instead of it being the first time we ever say it. And maybe we're just coming up with a reason or an excuse, right? Provide that education to be proactive so that clients can know you're their partner. You're not just an agency that's coming to, 
to report, <clears throat> excuse me, report findings to them. Right. So hopefully that kind of answers your question. No, I love, I love that you say that because a lot of them leave the client in the dark. Um, there's a lack of transparency. So it's great that you're transparent. Yeah. And when you leave with that educational approach, they know what it is that you're doing and what they're buying. Exactly. And that gives them the peace of mind that you are a professional, you know what you're doing and that things need to change. Now, when you're talking about this, I find it interesting with the cost per click because the more engagement that your ad gets and it doesn't lead to click throughs or there's no value to it, your CPC increases. It's the opposite of what you would think. You'd think it would decrease. It doesn't. So in fact, refreshing, like you're saying, and then changing the target by narrowing the target and getting a greater level of specificity and redeploying the ad, that decreases cost. And that's something that not a lot of people are aware of. They just think double the ad spend. When yeah. you double the ad spend, when it's performing like that, you're getting what, like two thirds of the actual amount that you're paying for in comparison to the time before. Yeah. And that's one thing um, you, you hear that a lot. I hear that a lot from clients come in as well. They just kept telling us to spend more, to spend more. And you can even go a layer deeper with that explanation. Uh, and I'll say understanding how your client communicates is very effective as well. Um, you can say, okay, this is why that happens, right? Just think about it. If we're serving ads on Facebook and we continue to send it to the same people and Facebook starts to notice that they're not clicking on it naturally the click through rate declines, right? Facebook's number one priority is user experience. So if you're providing a low user experience on their platform, it's going to naturally raise your CPM, your cost to reach a thousand people. And naturally, because less people are clicking on it and it's the same people, it's going to serve it also going to rise too. So, yeah. yeah, it's going to come up more frequently. Uh, and yeah, Facebook is just a big ass relevance <laughs> engine. If you're not relevant <laughs> to the experience that the user is having, then your cost increases drastically. For sure. Yeah. For it sure. works against what people don't know is that Facebook works against the advertisers. How do you think they make money off of it? If they made it so that your ad was able to get a high click through rate at all times, you wouldn't keep coming back and dumping money into the machine. That's the thing. They don't give a shit about the advertiser. They give a shit about the relevance because that's what creates stickiness on their platform. And that's what makes users happy. So their product are the people. If the people aren't happy, their product is out of check. Therefore, the advertiser gets screwed. I would say it also gives us advertisers a good reason to not just be Facebook gurus, right? Really, really focus on right audience, right messaging, and you will win um, whatever you define as winning. But uh, don't just focus on drop shipping stores and trying to push out as many uh, fidget spinners as you can. Right. So. Right. Right. That makes me want to work with you because uh, <laughs> partnership would be interesting. Like, you know, taking all that ad traffic uh, that comes in through the funnel and then filtering it down because Target is what I dedicated my career to. So yeah. it's all about the Target. That's everything. It's the foundation, right? Foundation. Yeah. All things, whether it's B2C, B2B, does not matter. B2BC, it's irrelevant. Um, as long as it is uh, the target of the people who are most likely to buy from you, that is the key. It's not about who's going to click it. Click-through rate is useless, again, if it doesn't convert. So when you're talking about, I want to move back into the educational approach here, yeah. is that uh, giving them transparency is one thing. Educating them is another thing. When you give them both, that's a whole other level. Now, what are the things that some of your clients are saying uh, to you as let's say like a thank you or uh, a mutual understanding. Yeah, I would say uh, I'll give you one example in specific is um, we were talking to a client last week. It's a uh, e-commerce store that sells uh, e-bikes, five, $8,000 bikes on Facebook. 
And one thing they said is we love that you have a plan. Like we love that you come to us with a plan for the account and you provide us frequent updates on it. And one tool that we use for that is every Friday and we're in the midst of maybe changing it to Mondays, but every Friday we send out an email and we let them know what we did in the week behind, what we tested, what performed well and what performed bad, what we're planning to do based on that in the week ahead. Any yeah, you're setting them a performance report. It's that simple. Yeah. If, Any, other, if other ad or marketing companies aren't doing that, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, but we break it down too. We break it down with, and this is one thing from age 16 when I had a manager at Michael's Craft Store and I was creating a daily work list for people. One thing he told me was always write it so clearly that your grandmother could come in here and complete this without ever working here before. And we translate that. That's right. As well. Always write it so clearly that you don't, the client doesn't feel like they need to respond and ask any questions. We're totally open to that, right? We love communication with our clients, but write it so clearly that they can understand it on the first read. And that's what we focus on with that email going out uh, is just giving all of the information that is there. We do the same thing, though. There is a point of overwhelming, yeah. uh, like, yeah. like the nature of my work. It can get overwhelming. This yeah. is stuff that people don't need to know because it's not relevant to the process. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, though, when is too far or how much is too much? I would say know your client's communication style, right? When we have a new client come in, we have a little, we have an onboarding form and one of the sections is some targeted questions to understand, are they data driven? Do they want us to focus on supermetric sheets? Do they want to focus on specific responses? Like what, what is their communication style and how can we kind of fold into that? Do you have that built into your sales process? We, so when a new client comes in, we sign the contract, they um, pay the invoice, and then we send them an onboarding flow. There's an onboarding email, onboarding Google Drive folder, and an onboarding document. And that is in that onboarding document. Got you. And so when I say that, it's like before the document, let's say it's a good way. And this is a suggestion for me to you then, if uh, you have this type of an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, so one thing that we do is that we establish the expectations and the goals of the client before they buy anything. Uh, the, the, actually, the, the uh, meeting where they convert, where they decide to buy, mm -hmm. it, we create an entire list of expectations and goals through their mouth from all of the key stakeholders that are involved together in a room and establish it, write it down in the meeting itself, like in the chat bubble. Is this everything that we are looking to do together? Is this from X to Y by when? Uh, expectations of communication, expectations around this, that, 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 that. And it's all listed. We share that with them and then put a note in our CRM. That way, before it even goes to the customer success um, team mm -hmm. or the account manager, it immediately is understood what their communication style is, what, how, what the frequency is going to be. All that stuff is established. That way, it's not up to an intake form after they've paid. I like that. Yeah, we have that on our intake form once they've paid. But I actually like uh, I like the idea of putting that before. That's something. It's getting to know them too. That's giving yeah. them true buyer safety. So their expectations yeah. have already been set. And then during onboarding, we ask them in different ways, but they don't even know that we're asking them what their goals and expectations are over and over again during every single onboarding meeting because they shift and then it becomes more concise. They know exactly what it is that they're looking for as they start working with you. I like that. Yeah, we're um, we're including we're incorporating some ClickUp forms into a lot of the stuff that we do. I think I'm going to look at adding a couple of those into the kind of the pre-sale part. Well, a lot of people don't use forms, right? Or yeah. they'll just try to make it super, super uh, like low key or, or not detailed because they don't feel like filling it out. 
It's an effort thing. So when you do it back and forth, you can also ask them questions where if they give you a response, you can break that down and ask them why. And then you can come up with actually an alternative of what they really want versus what they think they want. Yeah. And I think that comes in too of, um, and hopefully none of the listeners take this the wrong way, but just um, working with, working with the right clients, right? Making yep. sure that you have the opportunity to have that partnership, that bridge. It, it, it enables you to qualify out the people who are not going to be healthy to your process. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's awesome. Oh, I'm glad that was uh, helpful to you. Yeah. yeah now, uh, moving forward, how do we take a client centric approach and what type of processes do you have in place in order to achieve that? Cause a lot of people don't, they, they do a revenue first approach and then their churn's really high. So the transparency is a big thing. The education is a big thing. Uh, developing expectations is a big thing. But what are some of the different moving pieces that you have? Yeah, we are really focused. And I'm sure there's going to be, if you search on YouTube, client-centric approach, there's going to be a lot of different things. Uh, we really focus on driving that with the education first. And the tools that we use really is from our first point of contact, we get on a call with a potential client. We, we ask some pretty targeted questions and then we actually request analyst access or view performance access into their ad account. And we run them through a very detailed audit for free and then get on a follow-up call with them and walk them through that audit. We go through everything on their tracking, their campaign structure as the way it currently is, their audience breakdowns, their creative breakdowns and have 10 to 15 points within each of those and really focus on educating the client to understand what is going on in their account, what they're doing, what them or their agency is doing right or wrong, and how we see that they could perform it on a 30, 60, 90 day kind of sprint chart as well. It does create some risk for you though. What's your walk away rate from that? Because, oh, learned enough. I'm going to do it myself. See you later. Hey, education first is our goal, right? So if we help that person achieve their, their results with it, that's okay. Um, I would say we're at about uh, 70, 65 to 70% win. Um, so at the end of the day, we're still getting our, our core purpose, which is providing education. Um, um, some of your listeners who are uh, operations or sales focused people may say you're doing it wrong, but uh, that's okay with us. So, so I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, if they get that much value out of it where they can walk away with it, why don't you have something where they pay for that audit? If you get value out of this audit, then we would appreciate. So it's like an ask. It's not a forced mm -hmm. payment. It's an mm -hmm. ask. If you got value out of this and you don't want to work with us and we gave you the answers you needed, would you be open to uh, paying us what you believe that's worth to you? Yeah, we've thought about that. That's something I've looked at. The way I see it is um, I know that we're going to do it better. I know that because we're the ones finding those opportunities and I think most people that get on calls with us understand that too, right? Is because we're the ones that are taking the time to find those opportunities, more are going to pop up. Facebook changes every single day. Instagram, LinkedIn, all these platforms change every single day. So we really just focus on giving that value. We've, we've thought about, um, let's say the floodgates open and we start having to do 10 to 15 audits a day. That's something that we would definitely pre-vet pre and pre-qualify with is kind of securing that. But um i really just yeah, the pre-qualification process would be key for yeah. that yeah. and have you ever thought about uh different ways to have it become more sticky rather than the the, the 70 percent that would actually win and then the 30 percent that walk away what are some key elements that you think you'd be able to tie into there where it's almost like takeaways 
this is the reason why you need to work with us. This is the reason why we can handle something like this. This do you give them that uh, the, the reasoning behind why it's best for them to move forward with you versus on their own? And do you actually give them a backdoor saying, if you don't want to work with us, you can walk away, which is one of the most important things to do in sales that people ignore. Yeah. So both of those, um, we focus on, you know, my personal opinion is the best way to productize a service is through process and through road mapping. Um, so we really focus on providing them what that experience is going to look like. We definitely do offer that backdoor out. And one thing that we're actually working with someone, an operations consultant on is we want to create a downsell as well because education is our first priority. So if someone does not feel that full done for you management is that opportunity, we're looking to also build out educational um, like coaching groups or coaching one-on-one -on -one calls so that we can kind of have that downsell opportunity to get somebody's feet wet working with BrighterClick as well. Right, right. So a good friend of mine, Lucas, yeah, which you already know Lucas too. Sure, yeah. But what he does is that um, he's not trying to compete to be an agency. What he's doing is that he's trying to compete in order to take the spot of what an employee would be doing. So mm -hmm. instead of hiring a marketing coordinator or a marketing manager or a marketing team, it's about offering the services for half of what the, the annual salary would be. And you get a whole team to do the, to, to, to do the work. So that's the approach is coming in as we will be your team. We will come in working for you as like a fractional versus we will pro be providing these services to you. Yeah, Lucas, I've uh, been trying to get as much knowledge from him as possible. He's a great guy. One thing we're working on is kind of packaging the will two to three X your current performance uh, of your account offer, because that's one thing that we've seen we can do time and time again. But yeah, that's definitely uh, I've been working with Lucas uh, on a couple of calls to look at opportunities for us to kind of match his uh, 10X offer value that he provides with his agency. And have you ever thought of decoupling where not. they may not want a marketing service, but they really want an audit. So it's a free audit. Great. What if you had an option where they can get they could pay you for an audit? Where if they're not looking for marketing services, why not pay you for an audit? Yeah, that would definitely be good. Where um, that's one thing I can actually look at adding into our. Uh, you can implement that in like tomorrow. Yeah, because we already do it, right? All you yep. have to do is change the price tag on it. Yeah, nothing uh, changes except you get paid for the work up front. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and then if they want to move forward with you doing it, then boom, they paid for the audit and they became a client, so you get best of both worlds. Or they could talk about becoming a client, get the audit for free, but that's not something you would advertise. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a lot of ideas today. Oh, yeah, for sure. That, that, that's what I'm here for. That's my job. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, cool. And moving forward, uh, how do you take a non-biased approach when it comes to the client-centric approach? Now, when you're ta taking uh, a client-centric direction uh, with your process, often you get stuck in your own head and you, you fail to put yourself in the client's shoes. I'm not saying you as in you. You may have a way around this, but often we forget that we should be seeing it in the perspective as the as the client with their biases in mind and the way that they think. And we often slip into thinking as the provider. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you something that may make your skin crawl with it. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. There are times that we educate a client well enough to come to an agreement that they need to move away from paid ads and go to a different service. There are times that we have done that in the past. We always focus on um, making sure that we're setting our clients up to succeed the best that we can. 
that yeah. is the right thing to do. Yeah, you have to, right? Um, if it makes your skin crawl and it wouldn't make mine crawl, that then you are doing things not for the client. You're doing it for yeah. yourself. 100%. And there are times, and that doesn't, full disclosure, that doesn't mean to say we're the best agency. If we can't, nobody else can. But um, use the data, right? Use the understanding. And, and there are just times that we can see that, okay, we've, we've worked with the client to test X, Y, and Z, and the client has requested that we test this, this, and that as well. We're really understanding this client needs to rebrand and they need to take a three to four month hiatus from paid ads. They need to work with an agency that works on rebranding and then let's give this a go again. And if that happens, that's okay. Right. As long as that. Because if you can't, you can't, if it's not what's best for them, tell them. So yeah. uh, my company, we do the same thing. Oh, well, what you're looking to accomplish, we can help you succeed in other areas, but what you're focused on right now, you should go talk to Bombora because yeah. you're looking for intent data. You're not looking for us. Yeah, That's what you're looking for. Once you get what you're looking for with them and you realize what it is that you need beyond that, you're probably going to come back to us, which is fine. Or you're looking for a lead gen platform. We don't generate leads. We partner with almost every lead gen company in existence. So uh, I, what, what type of data are you looking for? What type of contact data is, is the most important to you? What locations are you targeting? So, okay, yeah, you're going to want to use Cognizant. No, you're going to want to use ZoomInfo. You're going to want to use Sales Intel. We actually give a non-biased suggestion based off of what they need. Talk to this company, do business with them, and then come back to us. And I feel like, and you may have experienced this in the past, I feel like because of agencies that don't do that, part of marketing yourself as an agency is setting yourself apart from that, right? Is like letting people know like, hey, we're not just trying to take your money. Like we don't, we're not just trying to close you to get things going so that we can have more business. Do you know how much that lowers their barrier as well? Like the defensive barrier that they put up. Uh, if you say that, like what just, I just had experience with this with one of my clients is that they, they're like, well, why wouldn't I do it this way? Why wouldn't I generate leads in mass quantities and follow your, your uh, targeting process? Because you have the predictive uh, engine to be able to tell us where the needles are in the haystack. It's like, well, would you rather process 74,000 contacts through our system using 74,000 credits and jacking up your price to a couple tens of thousands of dollars? Mm -hmm. Or would you rather follow our process, have a way greater hit ratio and process 10%, if not less, of the amount of data with us? They were so confused. They're like, wait, so, so you, you, you don't want us to spend more money with you? So that's <laughs> great if you do, if that's what you want. But we're trying to help you save money. We're trying to help grow your business, mm -hmm. not kill you. And that's the whole point of why we're here today is that we're here to help you grow your business, not take your money. And then it was like total shock, total shock on their face. They couldn't understand the concept. They're like, wait, you're actually trying to help me. Yes. Do you have some of those same experiences uh, with, with people like that? Yeah, 100%. And there's a phrase we use internally, which is slow down to speed up. And a lot of times we try and use that with our clients as well of, we understand there's the the thought sometimes in the marketing world of just spend more, spend more, spend more, and the results will come. And you're not spending enough on Facebook, but if you slow down and really look at what is going on in your business and in your account and understand what you need to plan and what you need to change, then you can really speed up your performance long-term. So yeah, we, we do have clients that um, are very happy with, and there's no, there's no ill emotion when we tell them, Hey, this is uh, this is maybe something that you need to start working on. I think you need to pause your ads. And that's part of the other reasons of the audit, right, is to pre-vet clients as well and to really give them the opportunity for those things. Yeah, quality over quantity will always win. Yeah. It will always win. Yeah.
and that's what people need to understand. The high volume. I, I'm trying to get a hashtag to spread. So hopefully everybody listening to this starts to use it. Hashtag high volume is dead. This it is dead. You want to increase your costs, uh, but in, internally, uh, we actually have it on a on a diagram too, where it's it's this quadrant model showing the different ways that people approach the market, and we call it the brute force expensive method. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody uses. Just just ice cold market, just rail it with ads, rail it with marketing content, rail it with cold outreach. And it's so expensive. Sure, you'll get sales that way. And sometimes that's a way that you start something, but it's not the way that you should be doing it. Why not use a limited, unique positioning? I agree. And, you know, one thing I'll give your listeners um, who own businesses or working with agencies a, a tip is one thing we're noticing on Facebook and Instagram in specific is if you truly want market share, if you truly want high impression count, because that's one thing, at least working with the SaaS companies we've worked with, Impression you share. Know why they want impressions? Because they're useless. Impression share was something so important. But know, know that there are objectives on paid ads that are specifically for that. So don't pay thousands of dollars. We worked with a, a company one time that they spent, had it set up for conversion, but their goal was impressions. And they spent two hundred. They wanted to spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a month just for impressions. And what we were, what we were able to share. Why the fuck would you ever do that unless you have like a 10 billion dollar budget what we're able to share with them is you can spend a fraction of that to achieve the same impressions you want by running video viewer engagement or impression campaigns and then the note that i wanted to share with your listeners is ever since ios 14.5 that's the big buzzword uh Actually using those are good now because you can build out warmer audiences, get a first point of contact for cheap, for low cost, and then actually drive them to the point of your conversion or whatever you're looking to do if they've watched more than 75% of a video or 95% of a video that way. So you can twofold your objectives, which is conversions, which high quality conversions is the important thing. And then if you want impression share as well, if that's a core company value, just make sure you're using the right objectives on your platform so you're not having astronomical costs for impression share in, in yeah. the digital space. So. They have different goals you could set. It's like, what's your goal? Uh, if it's impressions, select that because yeah. you'll spend less money. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think I get I've, from account audits because we do a lot of them. I've seen that gets overlooked sometimes. So. Well, yeah, because they're like, well, in the end, we do want conversions. Think about the objective. What is the outcome you're looking for? You pay for that outcome. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's exactly how they're set up. That's the pricing structure. It may not be obvious. Uh, that, I find that very interesting because uh, I've seen so many uh, mistakes made in the advertising world where the, uh, B2B, especially in B2B, B2B companies are looking to convert, except it's not like business to consumer. We can learn a lot from business to consumer marketing because it's very, uh, it's very engaging it builds a connection um, and it's very tantalizing, right? Mm -hmm. But the part that people are forgetting is that trust needs to be established. Trust in you, trust in the brand um, and uh, it cre creating self-awareness and educating people. So often creating ads that create awareness is a good thing where the end goal is not conversion. The end goal is to educate the market to prime them for conversion. So it's not just a one and done process with B2B marketing and that's B2B advertising, B2B marketing, because that's what people make a mistake on. They're trying to drive conversion through ads and then nothing happens or they get a bunch of shit leads. 
Yeah. You need to prime the market and get extremely targeted. That way you're starting to establish trust and top of mind and mar marketing in that way and then leading to the conversion with a more personalized outreach approach is a lot smarter of a process where your ads are not built to convert because nobody buys your product without talking to a salesperson. Yeah. And, and two things on that. One is if you believe that companies impulse buy, that's incorrect because a company is never going to stay in business if they're consistently impulse buying. I always tell people this too, yeah. is that businesses do not impulse buy. And no. if they did, they're probably not going to be around for very long. Yeah. And two, if you want a good example of the whole system, you just talked about, if your listeners want a good example of that system of warming people up, the, Facebook provides page transparency. You can go look at other people's ads. You can see what they're doing. ClickUp, the project management tool, does a phenomenal job at running video ads and getting that awareness out there and then actually driving that through the funnel as well. So they're a good reference. And point. if Facebook isn't your thing, I mean, think about uh, LinkedIn advertising. Yeah, for sure. I personally do not think LinkedIn advertising is effective whatsoever, and it is way overpriced. It is insanely expensive. The only thing that I think is actually worth it is when you have a, a campaign to promote followers or if you have a campaign to promote some sort of post where it's not the actual advertising where the thing pops up where they can click it, where it's just like, literally it's an HTML link. That's their fucking advertising. It's disgusting. Uh, and you, you pay out the ass for that. Now, if you're doing it where you promote a, a post, whether it's around an event, a cultural aspect of the company, a win, uh, of someone that you've worked with or something that is that is a game changer to the market that's transformative. Mm. Um, and video content's very good for that too because it'll get a ton of engagement. And ideally on LinkedIn, what you want to do is build relationships. So that's a powerful yeah. way to do it at a low cost that works better than the traditional process. 100%. And LinkedIn, um, while be it, we have run ads on there, their costs are generally higher. Um, the, the one bottleneck you'll see or one of the bottlenecks you'll see with LinkedIn is their average screen time per day is like 10 to 20 minutes, whereas Facebook is about an hour. And that's for all users. Right. And two, um, LinkedIn has run has, has been on a course. Right. When a new platform comes out like TikTok, for example, it is so easy to get big on TikTok right now. So, so easy. And that was that was also true for LinkedIn for a while there. LinkedIn has. It was like uh, mid 2000s. Yeah. LinkedIn has has continued to be successful. And I believe it probably has another three to four years, two to three years of uh, high, high engagement. Right. But it is moving towards that. Um, really focusing on putting out high quality content on your organic so that you can build out viewers and people that want to keep up and follow you and keep up with your content that way. Because so. followers are very intentional on LinkedIn. Yeah. very. It's not just, oh, this is kind of cool. Follow like they do on Twitter or whatever else. It is incredibly intentional, which is an advantage for organic. Yeah. And I don't know how you feel about it, but um, I would say also be organic on all facets of LinkedIn as well. I see common trends of um, obvious uh, either virtual assistant or bot responses on posts just to get your comment out there or just completely irrelevant, uh, not quizzes, what are they, polls and things like that. And they always have all these different fads, but just stick to putting out valuable content. Yeah, I'm it, sick of the polls that are like, what's your favorite color? It's like, yeah. stop, just, just yeah. stop. You're creating noise. We all hate it. Um, and to think of that too, with the bots that uh, create comments and posts, like, this is great, or thanks for sharing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Guess what? If your comment on LinkedIn is under 
about 65 characters in length, it is ignored by the algorithm. Is that so? I didn't know that. If you put shorthand responses and you don't put uh, a tag, if you don't tag someone in it, it's pretty much useless. It doesn't mean anything. And the whole point of LinkedIn is to start a conversation. So yeah. longer handed, well thought through comments are good that start conversations because most of the inbound that I get or when I generate leads on LinkedIn, it's through posts and it's through teaching someone something through someone else's post based on the yeah. comment section. You start entire threads of conversations around it. They come to you. Interesting. You know, not Just cold outreach because cold outreach is intrusive yeah. when you're adding to the conversation or creating the conversation. It is collective. Yeah. You know, not to create a clubhouse uh, fan craze with your listeners like happened in the past, not with your listeners, but you know how clubhouse had its rise and demise. There's a platform I've been seeing. I knew that thing was going to die real quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, nobody, I won't go on a tangent with that, but nobody had internal capacity employee wise to consistently put out content on clubhouse. So it just didn't work. Right. No nobody, one has the time. Yeah. Nobody could sustain that in their business, but Polywork is a new platform that's come out pretty recently that is very uh, collaboration focused. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but that's one that has seemed pretty interesting. What was uh, it called again? Polywork, P-O-L-Y-Work.com. Yep. I've never heard of it. So all my listeners check it out because I don't even know what it is. Yeah. it's uh, It might be something that might have an opportunity, but don't um, don't rush to it like a gold rush. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely going to do some background research on that. Check it out sure other people are going to tune down as well. So now moving forward to the next piece of the conversation, I would like to ask you one question. Well, it's yeah. going to be two, but one question, the most important question is that if everybody were to get mind wiped right now and not remember anything that we just uh, talked about from this conversation today, what is the one thing that you would want them to take away from this and take action on with their business right now? I'm going to speak specifically to marketers and also to well, I'll do it twofold to marketers and then to business owners uh, that are hiring agencies. Lead with education through all your communication. And the more proactive you are with leading with education, the better client experience uh, you're going to have, the better client relationship you're going to have. And remember, always write it out so clearly that your grandmother could understand it. Uh, always be as explanatory as possible with the results that you have. Yeah, right for a third grader. And I love how you said before, it's about the why. Yeah. Why, 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 why? Pretend they're, they're a third grader. Why, why? Kids always want to know why. If you're not giving them the why with the what, then they will never be happy. It's, it's unfulfilling. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, one last thing to add to that is, one thing we say internally is it, getting good results is important, but the difference between a good marketer and a good ad account and a great is understanding the why behind each, each part of your performance so you can eliminate negative performance and create continued positive performance going forward. So yeah, hopefully that yeah. helps. Yeah, drive performance with research. And uh, a, a good friend of mine, uh, Marcus Hemsley, uh, he works over at Fountain Partnership. It's a very, very well-renowned marketing agency out in the UK. They do evidence-based marketing and that's what that is. I'm learning a lot today. I'm going to look at so you're that. technically doing evidence-based marketing. I have a, a thing where if you had a conversation with me, you didn't learn at least one to three things. That means you probably weren't talking to me or I was drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even still. <laughs> All right. So last question would be, what's the best place for people to find you if they want to work with you or ask you any questions? 
Yeah, so brighterclick.com. Uh, there's a calendar on there that can connect with me. LinkedIn, you can look up Colby Flood on LinkedIn. And then my personal email is just Colby, C-O-L-B-Y at brighterclick.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I want to thank everybody for listening today. Again, this is brought to you by White Rabbit Intel, where we enable you to know more, win more, and close often. Pretty much sum it up. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much. And if you follow this uh, this podcast, very much appreciate it. Share it with friends, family, colleagues, whoever, if you take away value from it. Uh, please use the hashtag DTRH podcast if you share it out there. And if you tag me and if you tag anybody who's ever been on the podcast, such as Colby here, that we will always support your posts and we will help share it. Uh, we will comment on it and we will help you get that engagement that you want uh, as a token of appreciation. If you have any questions, feel free to contact the team at whiterabbitintel.com. Never a problem. Uh, thank you so much and have a great night. If you enjoyed this episode, follow Down the Rabbit Hole podcast for new episodes weekly on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, and YouTube. If you'd like to apply to be featured on the podcast or recommend a featured guest, please feel free to email us at the team at whiterabbitintel.com.